0: Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Our question this time is, what does compliance expertise on the board of directors look like? And this question comes from the guidance uh, that just came out uh, here at the end of May uh, that was updated from the guidance that came out in February of 2017 from the Department of Justice. Uh, this uh, this was in the 2017 memo. Uh, it was reiterated again in the memo for 2019. And if you go to uh, page nine of the uh, April-dated version of the, the uh, Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program's memo under Part A. Actually, it's on page 10, but it starts on page 9. Under Part A, the third bullet is called Oversight, and it states what compliance expertise has been available on the board of directors. That's the first time expertise is mentioned. And then later on the same page, page 10 of the memo, It quotes uh, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Manual, uh, which states that the authority and independence of the compliance function and the ability of compliance expertise to the board. So we have on the board and to the board. It's a little confusing. Uh, I think, though, what we're talking about is not necessarily somebody who has compliance expertise themselves. Uh, If we read that first question again, what compliance expertise has been available on the board? So I don't know whether it's just bad construction of the sentence uh, for this first sentence or whether uh, uh, you, I don't think that you necessarily have to read that as directly suggesting that you have to have a compliance professional on your board, but I know that question has been circulated and I wanted to address that today. Uh, First of all, uh, I would say if you um, have somebody on your board with compliance experience, I think that's only to the good. Uh, I think the problem is for most organizations is there are not a lot of potential board of director candidates uh, that have specific compliance expertise. They may have some knowledge of uh, compliance, uh, particularly if they come from a legal or an auditing background, Uh, you know, your audit committee chair. Uh, Or or somebody who is qualified otherwise to be the audit committee chair of your uh, uh, audit committee of your board of directors probably has some compliance expertise, uh, even if they haven't been operating as a uh, quote unquote compliance officer. Uh, So I think. Again, wouldn't be a problem necessarily if they had uh, the, the requis- requisite skills otherwise to be a board member to have somebody on the board that was a former compliance officer. Uh, but I don't think that's really what we're getting at. What we're really getting at is what compliance expertise expertise, rather, what knowledge around compliance? What information, training, Uh, data on compliance has been available to the board of directors. Um, So it's really more about what the staff of the organization are providing to the board, providing to the audit committee of the board of directors or whatever subdivision is responsible for compliance at the organization. Um, You know, questions like have the board of directors uh, held executive or private sessions with compliance and control functions that's another specific query that's in this guidance from the Department of Justice but it's also just a good question to ask. Uh, Is is there proper uh, oxygen for compliance topics at the board level? And let me just say here real quickly, uh, I know that for the most part, particularly for larger organizations that have a more integrated or mature compliance program. Most of the contact discussion at the board level around compliance, the, the quarterly report about, about the compliance program goes to the audit committee or the compliance committee or whatever subdivision of the board is ultimately respi- responsible for compliance, not the whole board. But do not forget, do not forget the whole board. Is responsible for compliance at the organization. That comes from case law. That comes from Dodderwich and uh, the uh, the Delaware cases, including Caremark. I mean, that's going way back. That that the the expectation in the sentencing guidelines and all of those cases that were you know 20 plus years ago, um, is that the entire board is responsible ultimately for compliance. They may delegate. Uh, Some of uh, the authority for oversight to the subcommittee, to the audit committee, or or some other subcommittee, but uh, uh, training on compliance responsibilities, training and discussion about significant compliance risks, that all should happen with the entire board. I know some organizations have unwieldy boards of directors that um, may include, you know, a couple of dozen. Uh, board members, particularly some nonprofits. But uh, the expectation in both the sentencing guideline standards and in the case law, when you look back, uh, is that uh, the full board is responsible for compliance. And please don't forget that when you're looking at uh, uh, educating, communicating with the board of directors about compliance. Um, Also, you want to take a hard look at the information uh, that the board uh, and for that matter, senior management have examined in the exercise of, uh, of, of compliance and, and monitoring compliance at the organization? What are they getting? Um, I think this has changed quite a bit in the last few years. If your organization still... Is primarily only doing incident reporting and uh, overall completion rates for uh, mandatory training and having a you know a two-minute two discussion about compliance once or twice a year with the board of directors. Uh, I mean, I think you already know the the answer to the question as to whether that is sufficient or not, and the answer is no. Uh, the expectation is is that they're going to be getting a lot more information about uh, the program as it stands about the initiatives that are ongoing and planned in the future and about the risks that the organization faces and how uh, the organization plans to address those risks. And if you're not doing that, um, that is going to be insufficient. Uh, You can't have expertise, you can't be providing expertise if you're not providing that information. Um, I think a key piece of this, of being able to have that time and have the resources to be able to uh, provide expertise is you need to indoctrinate the board of directors into the compliance clan. They need to buy in to the importance of compliance. They need to understand their responsibility. So I think initial step if you don't have that sort of relationship already, is to explain to them why it's important, wh- what their role is, what their responsibilities, both legally and ethically, are for compliance at the organization. And, what, and they need to understand the risk profile of the organization and why compliance actually matters to the company. Um, and uh, they need to be comfortable and know enough that they can ask questions and make queries and, and, and in an honest way have oversight of your program. They can not ask questions if they don't know what the questions are they should ask. So there's education up front on what the role is and what the responsibilities are, an education upfront on why compliance is important and what compliance at your organization means, an education upfront about the particular risks that your, or compliance risks that your organization faces and how your organization addresses those risks. That's how you get to expertise. Expertise on the specific risks you face, expertise on compliance as a necessary component of the Uh, leadership and oversight of the organization and expertise on the role of the board in all of that. I I think a a big part of this education and providing expertise is to uh, do what I've talked about many times before, not only at the board of directors, but throughout the organization to different parts of the operational uh, parts of your organization. And that's making the business case for compliance. Talking, you know, a term that you hear uh, more and more frequently these days is ROE, return on ethics. Uh, The the bottom line business reasons why uh, having a successful and effective compliance program is a bottom line issue, and that goes beyond just the you know headlines that talk about uh, all the failures and how many trillions and zillions of dollars it cost uh, uh, Wells Fargo and. Uh, WorldCom and Enron, if you go back that far, uh, it's important to talk about things uh, about the downside uh, and the upside of compliance in a way that perhaps uh, board members, like a lot of other um, people who aren't um, involved in compliance on a day-to-day basis, just don't understand or haven't thought about uh, with regards to the importance of, of compliance. On the downside, things like reputation. Uh, reputation is a compliance issue. Uh, the reputation of an organization suffers when when there is a compliance issue. Uh, so uh, linking reputation, both you know strong reputation and bad reputation uh, to having an effective compliance effort I think is an important distinction to be made. Um, the effect that uh, a positive, Uh, ethical culture has on the workforce and on external stakeholders. So retention of staff, recruitment of staff, uh, the uh, perception of staff of compliance at the organization determines, for instance, whether they are more or less likely to come forward and let you know when there's a problem. Uh, The reputation for compliance at an organization more and more Uh, as we uh, move into the future impacts external stakeholders, customers, consumers, uh, potential investors are all going to look at uh, culture of compliance, reputational issues when they're making their choices. And that's important for the board to see the connection. Um, uh, The uh, uh, aspects of, again, retention around an issue like retaliation. Um, if, re- if you have a culture where retaliation uh, thrives, uh, you're going to uh, have people who aren't going to report that or other misconduct and they're going to leave. Uh, if you have the perception of retaliation, even if there isn't re- necessarily, uh, necessarily a lot of retaliation going on, the perception of re- retaliation actually has an impact on performance and on whether people uh, stay at the organization or come there in the first place. These are all things that are going to affect the bottom line. I don't want to get too far afield on uh, business case, but that's just a taste. And there are other podcasts in this series, if you want to go back and look, where I talk more about business case uh, uh, topics that you can bring up when you're making that case. But I think that's an important piece of uh, educating and providing uh uh that necessary necessary expertise at the board level the board needs to understand uh why compliance is integral to a successful enterprise and uh in place and that is going to allow them to place the necessary importance on compliance and ethics uh, that they need uh, to do um and uh, expertise is also uh, ne- not always, but but also on many many situations is going to mean bringing in that expertise. Certainly, you or 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 your team that are responsible for compliance at your organizations are knowledgeable about the risks you face, knowledgeable about the initiatives that you've undertaken, knowledgeable about the risk topics that uh, are top line risks for your organization. Uh, But it is probably worthwhile to, uh, at least on a periodic basis, introduce uh, outside expertise uh, so that you can surely and very clearly show uh, that that expertise is available at the board level, Uh, bringing in people that have uh, particular knowledge about a certain risk topic, for example, Uh, whether that be anti-corruption or uh, harassment Uh, topics like uh, unconscious bias, for example. Uh, I know that there are more and more organizations that are uh, trying to pay attention to these, these uh, issues and bringing in uh, an outside resource that has expertise around an issue um, like anti-corruption or what, whatever the issue might be is going to be helpful and it's going to satisfy uh, that uh, expectation that you're going to have expertise at the board level. Um, I think if you do those things, if you think consistently and logically about what information is being provided and what the give and take is, uh, if you have a board that's not interacting, then you need to take a look at what, uh, you know, how they're being trained, uh, how they're being, uh, what, what the discussions are about their, um, their role. Uh, I, I don't see that too much. Uh, once a board gets uh, involved, they stay involved, but, if, uh, if there needs to be uh, some demonstration of give and take so that you can show uh, that there's expertise at that level. And just to kind of wrap it up, uh, going back to the, the, the threshold question, um, I'm not saying that uh, the memoranda uh, where it says on the board versus uh, provided to the board is, is a mistake. Um, but I don't think, I can't think, that the uh the real expectation is that every board is going to have a compliance officer on their board um maybe someday (laughs) but uh, i don't think that that is the logical conclusion that we should reach uh, from from this guidance uh, from from april of 2019. i think the logical conclusion is that we need to make sure that expert, expertise is available at that level of the organization, that these discussions are ongoing, that the board is involved, that the board understands their responsibility. Uh, the board can gain that expertise uh, through, through that kind of give and take, and that's what you really want to be looking out for. Uh, so that's my thoughts on that. Uh, speaking of boards of directors, Uh, I have an upcoming webinar with my friends at the Clear Law Institute. What should your board know about compliance and ethics? So very topical to our our topic today. Uh, This is going to be on July 31st, 2019 at 1pm Eastern. So that's noon central. Uh, It is approved for CLE and CCEP credits. uh, For those of you who need uh, to get uh, those credits. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, some of the topics we mentioned today about uh, the importance of expertise at the board level, uh, but also uh, getting into more detail about the specific requirements uh, for the board uh, that we see both um, in the law, and uh, guidance from the Department of Justice, and the sentencing guidelines. I'm going to pull that all together so that you, uh, for those of you who are uh, in organizations where this, where the board's. Role is not well developed. This would be uh, potentially a good, um, a good uh, primer uh, for those of you who want to measure or benchmark uh, where you are with your board of directors. This also might be helpful. Uh, again, that's going to be on July 31st, 2019, 1 p.m. Eastern. What should your board know about compliance and ethics? That's with the Clear Law Institute. Uh, I'll have the. Uh, the the registration link in the show notes uh, on the Compliance Beat website uh, for this episode. But also you can go to clearlawinstitute.com and search uh, for board and compliance or Eric Moorhead and compliance uh, and probably find it. But uh, if you want the direct registration link, it'll be in the show notes here. As always, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we'd sure love for you to do that. Uh, Please get in touch with us if you have questions uh, or would like to uh, maybe make suggestions for future iterations of the podcast, uh, we do love to hear from our listeners. Uh, you can reach us at compliancebeat.com, um, moreheadconsulting.com, or you can email me directly at eric at moreheadconsulting.com. I do, uh, do appreciate to, to hear from the listeners. But that's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new topic and we hope to have you with us then as well. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moreheadconsulting.com.